Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. What's up, Redemption Church? It is so good to see you guys this morning. How many of you guys are excited to be at church today? Let me hear you. Hey, and all of you who are watching on Redemption Online, go ahead, type AMEN, all caps, in the comment section. Let's hear it for everybody watching online today. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in online. Hey, today is a very special day. As you can see, all around me, they're getting set up because today we're going to do something a little bit different. As we wrap up our Song of Solomon sermon series... We've been hearing a lot of questions and feedback from you. You have questions and we have answers. The answers we have may not be to your questions, but we want to be able to give some time for ministry and answer some of the questions around relationships because relationships define our lives. One of the most important part about who we are is who we do life with. And so because we want to be able to have better relationships, we want to take some time and answer your questions because this is such an important aspect of all our lives. In fact, that's what Song of Solomon is all about. In Song of Solomon chapter one, the very first verse after the introduction that we see in Song of Solomon is this, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. All the men said, amen. Hey, the Bible starts off really good. Right, if you read the Bible and you think it's boring, you ain't reading the Bible right because Song of Solomon starts off, let him kiss me. This ain't French kissing, this is Bible kissing. And that's how Song of Solomon opens up. It's an exciting book. It's a spicy book. It is a great book. And the whole point of Song of Solomon is the Bible's guide to a better marriage. And he, she starts off by saying, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. And then it goes on and it says, for your love is better than wine. That's where we get the title for the series. Your love is better than wine. We want to have better marriages, whether you're single, whether you're dating, engaged, whether you're married, if your marriage is hanging on by a thread, or if you're in a relationship with yourself. I don't know, wherever you're at, right? You want to have a better relationship. We want to have better marriages. Single people, they're looking for something better. And for those of you who are married, if it is pretty good, guess what? It can always get better. And for those of you who are hanging on by a thread, I want to let you know that by the power of the gospel, it can always get better. We want better marriages. We want our relationships to be better than wine. And then here's what she says. For your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oiled perfect. Your name is oil that is poured out. That's what we want. When we walk into a room, we want people to see what God has been doing in our lives. We want our relationships to be a testimony of the love that Jesus has for us. We want that kind of marriage like we read in Ephesians chapter five, the way that Jesus loves the church, that we would lay down our lives for one another. And when we do that, we believe that by God's grace, our marriages can in fact be better. What are my prayers throughout this series? Me and Ashley have been talking and hanging out and our prayer for us and it's our prayer for you is that 
through Song of Solomon, you were able to move from struggle. How many of you, that's where you found yourself at? At the beginning of COVID, at the beginning of uh, Song of Solomon, you're like, yes, praise the Lord for this series because we are struggling. How many of you, just being honest, you found yourself in struggle, right? Whether you're single, dating, engaged, married, you were in struggle. And now, how many of you have been praying? Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for the snuggle. We moved from struggle to snuggle. That's my prayer for you. That's what me and Ashley have been working on. And we want to be able to answer some of your questions today. So... We're going to do a Q&A special um, se- session today where we're going to answer your questions that you've submitted. And so I want to introduce to you some of my friends. First is my nearest, dearest, my very best friend in the whole wide world, Ashley. Ashley, would you please come up here? Everybody give Ashley a big round of applause. Thank you. You have a seat right here. Uh, I want to say, Ashley, I'm going to sit on this side of you. There we go. Uh, I want to say, Ashley, thank you so much for, for, for doing this with us today. And, and you kicked off the sermon series by, by praying for us as a church. I think it's a great way for us to close by answering some questions. I want to introduce to you uh, my friend, Ethan. Ethan, our campus director. Can you come on up here? Everybody give Ethan a big round of applause. There we go. Step on in there, Ethan. Hey, Ethan's the campus director here at Redemption, and he just does such a wonderful job. If you want to be a part of the serve team, hey, get connected with Ethan. He would love to connect you to serve, and then uh, some people would become one of the best friends for me, and people that I think in the last uh, few months, they become some of the people that I value most in the world, and that's James and Shelby Guest. Would y'all please come up here? Give everybody give a round of applause for James and Shelby James and Shelby, they just entered into a leadership role here at Redemption. They are our small group directors. So if you're interested in joining a small group, if you want to be a part of one, if you want to lead one, maybe an online group in person at your house, hey, these are the people for you. And I just want to honor you guys. Y'all have done such a wonderful job, and uh, you've really built influence in our church, and I love the gifts that you have as you begin to serve the church. And man, I'm just so honored to have you guys to be a part of our faith community, and uh, I just want to say thank you so much for doing this and for your role at the church as well. Hey, let's give all these guys a big round of applause one more time. And while we're getting ready to get started, hey, for our production team, could you, there we go, there is the clock. I am terrible with time, and so if I don't have a clock back there, I don't know what to go over and forget about. So, uh, thank you guys so much for that. Hey, what we wanna do is we wanna start off by just getting to know each other. We wanna just kinda share our stories so we can get to know one another, and James and Shelby, uh, you guys have a wonderful story. I think people would be so blessed to get to know you a little bit more. So could you share with us your story? How'd you guys, how'd you guys meet, and uh, what's God been doing in your life? Totally. So we met in Tyler, Texas about four years ago. We were both missionaries uh, with an organization called Youth with a Mission. Me for 10 years, you for five years. Four years. Four years. Um, and so we met living in community together, um, serving the Lord as missionaries. Um, and then that just being in close community, you just get to see people um, from all walks of life. And then she came along. And so we were able to just get to know her, each other a little bit more, going on runs, hanging out, um, living within a a, a a, a good context of, of friends around us, um, getting to, to love each other um, the best way that we knew how within that community, and then we just started to get to know each other, and here we are. We went on our first run, and the, the rest is history. Yeah. 
Hey, in the first service, you said running was actually like how you guys got to, but sh when you were running together, like she took your breath away because you got, like, literally couldn't breathe, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I was thinking as you were talking at first service, I wasn't going to make the joke, but one thing that we encourage for singles not to do is missionary dating. But y'all were actually missionaries when you started dating. Got him. That's a different form of missionary dating, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. And so... <laughs> So if you're a missionary and you're single, you can date another missionary. But if you are single and you are a Christian and they are not a Christian, that is not the mission of God for your life. Amen? Amen. Awesome, awesome. So you guys met that way. And, and, they said, and you said that um, you actually didn't like James whenever he first started kind of pursuing after you, right? No, we were so different that Still like, are. polar opposites. Like you have opposites and you have polar opposites. So that's us. Um, so we kind of didn't know what to do with each other at first. But, um, but it I'm the rambunctious one. She's the quiet, reserved, like deep thinker one. And I'm like, here, I'm just going to say what comes on top of the brain and come out. And so that, that, that created some very interesting times. But, uh, but it, it's working. And, it's super, I mean, I'm, and I'm super grateful that I did not marry someone like me. Amen. So. Amen. Amen. So how long have y'all been married? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Hey, let's get up for two and a half years. So thank y'all so much for sharing your story. Um, they've been married two and a half years. Me and Ashley, we just celebrated on August 1st, 12 years of marriage. 12 years. So give it up for Ashley for putting up with me for 12 years. Uh, she has the most important job, and that is to put up with me. So, babe, thank you so much for 12 amazing years. Great job, Ashley. You're welcome. By God's grace, it is getting better, isn't it? Yes. It is getting better. And Ethan, my man, hey, he's going to be speaking for the singles. Can I answer some of the questions? So, Ethan, I want to ask you, how long have you been not married? I've been not married for 27 years. Hey, let's give him a round so of applause fun. today, too. It's been a ride. Oh, man. Hey, um, so I know y'all know a little bit about me and Ashley's story. Uh, we actually met on MySpace. How many of y'all remember the website MySpace? Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? Yeah, it was a, it was, it was a, it was a play. She was in my top eight, for sure. Let's she was go. in my top eight. So I was in like a punk band, and um, we were booking shows in Houston, and so I was trying to build up our audience, and I just went online and invited all the cute girls. I mean, this was before I was a Christian. I was 18, 19 years old, totally regenerate, unregenerate sinner, and I just went on, and I just started adding all the pretty scene girls, and I was like inviting them to our shows and concerts and stuff, and so she messaged me through AOL Instant Messenger. AIM? AIM. AIM, baby. And, uh, and you know, she got my screen name. And uh, we were, you know, going back and forth, staying up all night, just messaging each other back and forth. And uh, I, I really liked her. We started going on our first date. Our first date was at Chili's. Uh, so I love Chili's. Uh, I worked there for a long time. Our first date was at Chili's. Uh, I had a uh, salad. And Ashley, do you remember what you ate? Full rack of ribs. Full rack of baby back ribs. <laughs> Loaded mashed potatoes. Cinnamon apples. Cinnamon apples and a molten chocolate cake. Our first date. I was like, I need to make more money to feed this girl. That's what I need to do. And so, um, so that, was, that was 12 years ago. Uh, we've been married. Uh, and it's been, it's been great. And, um, and thank you so much. Because I, I never dreamed that marriage could be as good as it is right now. And so I want to honor you for that and say thank you so much. So Thank you. Um, 
That's so sweet. Tell me. <laughs> Honor me next. What you got? <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. First All question, right? right? Well, I'll ask you, okay? As, the, as, um, as someone who's not married, right? How has Song of Solomon benefited you? What was your, what was your takeaway during Song of Solomon? Uh, one of the biggest takeaways would have to be, let me see if I can do this right. You did it so fast all the time. So let me see. Uh, you want to be the person you are looking for. No, I already missed it. Yeah. You want to, the, the person you are, help you me out. be the person, the person you are yes, looking for is yes. looking for. Yeah. You want to be the person, the person you are looking for is looking for. That's right. There we go. So take your eyes off of other people. And instead of saying, are they the right person? You're saying, am I the right person? And what do I have to That's do good. to make myself the right person? Like, yeah. let me go on that journey. Yeah. And then that other person will show up. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you can't change them, but you can change you. And as you begin working on yourself and your character and your standards, it's going to raise the quality of people that God. Begins yeah. To can I say life. something to that? Yeah. That, uh, one thing that, <clears throat> that I've noticed is um, dysfunction meets dysfunction. So um, the healthier you get, the more healthy people you will attract. That's good. So that is one thing that do yourself a favor and, and go on that journey of just getting healthier. That's good. Yeah. That's good. What about you guys? The guests, what was your takeaway through Song of Solomon? I think mine was... You might have to help me, but if okay. you think something fun, do it. Yes. If you think something nice, say it. And if you want something different, different. be it. Be it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I love that how intentional you have to be with that. And so um, I think thoughts can easily come in our head and then just leave. But, um, but if you think something fun, just do it. If you think something nice, just say it. And if you want something different, be it. That's good. James, what about you, man? Uh, Ethan, still mine. So I would, I would absolutely Ethan, say. Ethan, what's your takeaway? Yeah, right. Uh, no, I, I would honestly just say the same thing. Just take it as my own. And I, I think the 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 aspect of intentionality is powerful. Um, passivity will create more passive people, but an intentional person will create someone that you want to attract. And then and then people are dating someone that is is actually confident. And so being able to be that person that is that confident, that is that well-rounded, righteous, upright person, um, that, that does attract well. And so being able to, to really work on your heart and on your mind um, to be in a place where, 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 you're, where you're, you're, you're ready to, to start pursuing people. That's good. What about That's you, good. Ashley? You have to uh, listen to me all the time. I work my sermons out on you, and we read through it, and we discuss beforehand. I don't just get up here and tell stories without talking about her, talking to her first, right? So I don't want to embarrass her, so I'm telling some of this stuff. But what was some of your takeaway? What was something that was big for us in our home that we were working on? Ooh. <laughs> I don't think I've ever. Huh? What? What was your takeaway from the, from the message series? Every week we ask that question, you know, so what was something, I know one thing we've been working on is that I love you because, and then fill yeah. in the blanks, right? Yes, that, that was actually a good one because it was, I, I guess like it started like to make me realize like, oh, it's just not a feeling. Yeah. So for me to be able to say like, I love you because blank. Yeah. Because as you do it, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's so easy to say I love you, and then just it just it just it just falls flat, you know. Yeah. And then when you have to add that because behind it, like I love you because you're such a wonderful mom. I love you because you make time for the family. I love you because you're patient with Esther. There you go. And as you start filling in the blank, it really kind of speaks life and builds mm -hmm. up the other person. It's been pretty tough, hasn't it? It has been. It has been. Yeah. yeah. 
I think, I think for me, my biggest takeaway is um, that marriages, better marriages don't happen by accident. Um, you don't trip and fall into a better marriage. Uh, it takes intentionality, it takes effort, it takes, it takes commitment, it takes doing the hard work of getting to know your spouse and communicating and forgiving. Better marriages don't happen by accident. Everybody, a lot of, nobody wants a bad marriage. Nobody gets married planning like, oh, I'm gonna get married and then like shipwreck my life. Nobody plans on that, but it happens so much because we don't have a plan for a marriage. And so you need to have a intentional plan that you're gonna invest in, pour in, be intentional towards this person because it doesn't happen by accident. You don't wake up 30 years later and just be like, man, okay, that was great. Yeah. No, you have to like put in the hard work. And so uh, that's been kind of my biggest takeaway as well. So, um, hey, we're gonna get into some of your questions now. Uh, the first question that we're gonna ask is, uh, what can we do to get better at our communication? That was the first question. How many of you, this is like, Numero uno, right? This is like communication is such a big deal. Okay, I feel like I am married to a brick wall. Uh, I mean, you know, do guys have ears? Do they work or are they just for decoration? I don't know. Because um, communication is something we're struggling with. So I'll ask you, uh, Shelby and James, to kick it off. Uh, what can we do to get better at our communication? Um, I think for us, be really clear with what your expectations are. And have, be clear, don't say like 20 things that you're expecting at one time because it can be really hard for your husband to say, okay, well, what do I do first? Um, but be clear with like, I want you to help me with the dishes and would you be willing to do that? Instead of, I want you to help me with the dishes, the trash, I need you to pick up your socks and I need you to take our son to the park. And so um, guys can easily feel overwhelmed. And also, too, don't expect them to read your mind. And so just be really clear with what you're requesting from your significant other. I think, too, having grace in these moments, because if you're, if you're willing to actually communicate well, there's going to be times where you're actually you're communicating something, and you're like, oh, that did not come out right. And so as a spouse and as someone that you actually value and love, being able to be the recipient of this communication and have grace on one another as you are continuing to learn how to communicate well and expressing your needs and your wants um, wisely. And, so, and then the idea of not stuffing. I mean, a lot of times we do that because of our bringing and whatnot that are environmental things that, that come into play, but being able to actually communicate and talk things through, again, being able to do that and trusting that the other person has the grace to, to receive that and then to be able to just be with you as you continue to learn that's how to communicate good. well. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, Ashley, so what do, you, what do you have to say about communication? Um, how can people improve their communication? I know I got one. Okay. Ladies, try not to nag because, oh. I mean, there's a... A, a better way to to tell your husband like hey hey babe can yeah. you take out the trash yeah. instead of be like uh you never take out the trash mm-hmm. when are you gonna step up and take it out yeah yeah because i i know that for me uh na- nagging is hasn't helped and i think we went through that big i think we went through that a, for a long stretch where i was disrespectful to you and ignoring for you and then mm-hmm. like you thought well if i just criticize it's going to get better Right. And what other relationships do we have where criticizing the other person actually helps the relationship get, get better? Right? How many of you just love when your boss is just critical to you? You love when your boss is just like, you never do anything right. You can't do anything. I don't know why I'm, you know, right? But when you do that in, in your marriage, that's a negative communication. It's going to get a negative results. So instead, it's speaking life to one another, being clear and honest with your expectations of one another. 
Yeah. Right. What was one of the points in the series is that um, the gap between expectation and frustration, frustration, it's called communication. Yeah. And so the less communication we have, the more frustration there's going to be in the marriage. So making time to, to, to sit down and have those honest conversations, I think is so important and crucial to just have that face-to-face time. Ethan, I know you're not married, but... Uh, throughout you. this series, I'm just going to remind every time that comes up, I'm just going to keep saying, Ethan, I know you're not married, uh, uh, but but I do know that you have you have a girlfriend, uh, and through this, you've actually had communication too. So let's not leave you out because because even in dating relationships, communication is still key. Right. So how how has Song of Solomon helped me communicate as well? Uh, it's making me work through like my needs, you know, like understanding my needs. And because um, a lot of times I don't even process it. Like, I, I think that's just maybe part of like being a, a guy is like you just doing your day to day and you don't even think about it. And um, and then being able to ask really good questions. I think that's a huge one because guys really don't know what's happening inside of a woman's brain. And so it's like it's good to take initiative and be intentional and go and ask okay, well, how did this make you feel? Why did this make you feel like that? What can I do to help in the next time that we go through this? Where can we meet in the middle? You know, like ask, just asking good questions. I think that's the biggest, that's like a really simple, like learn how to ask good questions. There you go, there you go. That's good, that's good. Um, the second question we have is this, um, how do we continue to pursue each other, especially when life is so busy? So that's the next question. How do you continue to pursue each other, especially when life is so busy? James and Shelby, I'll let you tackle this one to kick it off. Yeah, I think uh, something that is very important to us is is navigating the essentials versus the non-essentials. Um, figuring out if, if life is truly so busy, and you get home from work, and work was a frustrating day, and you get and you get home, and you immediately go to your Facebook, or you go to read a book, or you go to veg, you realize maybe that's a non-essential. And so, if relationship is an essential, if your your spouse is someone that is valued in your life, and 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 there's that mutual respect, then maybe they become they are that essential. So you have to literally figure out okay, what's the essential, what's non-essential, and, and get rid of those non-essentials because if life is busy, you're you're not you're not aiding it by vegging you need to you need to aid it by spending the quality time with your spouse and making that attention because as you continue to do that that continues to grow love with one another so quickly get rid of your your not essentials and figure out and prioritize your essentials which is your relationship with your spouse Um, well, real quick, do you want to tell the story that happened the other, or just last night with your phone? Yes. Um, so like, no, I don't want to tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah. so practical. Yeah. Confession's so, good for the soul, James. Come on. Yeah. So one of the things that we do is is the idea of like having screen time or phone time as as a couple at dinner time and then making sure that we we just set that aside. Um, so uh, I, I own a small business, and so I had a customer texting me while we're actually having this conversation about this eight, question. Eight or nine at night. Yeah, eight or nine at night, and I was like, I was like, oh, I got this text message. And as I started reading it, it was a really good text message. I was like, I'm going to respond. And my brain said, no, you're not. And I was like, <laughs> oh, gosh. And I threw the phone because I quickly realized that was 
I could have easily just been distracted by something so simple yeah. as responding to a text, but that distraction broke the communication that we were having in that moment. So I stopped being present. And so literally, I threw the phone, mm. and I was like, I'm done with that so I can prioritize this. Yeah. But it's a, it's a mindset swift, um, sh- shift. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And I think a really quick thing for me is that re- realizing that life comes in seasons um, makes me realize that, oh, this season of being really busy isn't going to be forever. And mm-hmm. so it allows me to have more That's grace great. with him when he's in the middle. Like, we're not going to be starting a business in that phase forever. Yeah. So realizing that life comes in seasons um, might be able to give you more grace with your significant other. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Mm-hmm. That's really good. The next question that we had that came in was this. Um, I think it's an important question. Whoever asked this, I just want to say you are not alone in this question. Uh, Many people struggle with it. It's a big problem today. And here's what the question is. Um, How do I stop looking at porn? Pornography is a billion dollar a year industry. Uh, The net revenue of pornography is more than ABC, NBC, and CBS combined. People spend more money on pornography than we spend on foreign aid in the United States. So, I mean, if we were just, we could be able to double our foreign aid if people just stopped looking at porn. But I'm not saying that to beat you up. I'm trying to say that to let you know that you're not alone in this. Uh, A lot of people struggle with not just men, it's not just a men's issue, Uh, it's also a woman's issue, it's uh, everyone's issue. And and so I just want to say thank you for asking this question because it shows me that you want to get help. And so I want to honor you for that. So here's what I would say. Um, You have to find safe people to confess that to. You have to find safe people in your life, not just anyone, but safe people who you can trust and go to them, and then you have to expose the secret. Because here's what happened. Sin lives in the shadows. And pornography is actually a a secret sin. That's something that you do alone, normally, uh, separated from everybody else. It's a temptation that you give into that you struggle with on your own. And the reason you can't overcome it is because you've been trying to do it on your own. So what you need to do is you need to invite other people into that. You need to let the light in so that way the shadows flee and you have to just expose it for what it is. This is how I actually overcame uh, pornography addiction in my life. I had a small group that I was a part of in my church and there was a, a group of men in that small group and I went to them and I said, hey man, I am... I am struggling with this. In fact, I say struggling, but it wasn't struggling. I was just getting my butt whooped by it, to be honest. I wasn't even fighting. You have to fight back in order for it to be a struggle. Right? I was not struggling. I was losing. And so I went to them and I said, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm going through. I need help. And they said, me too, man. Me too. And, and I was like, I'm not alone in this. So there's like four of us and we were all going through the same thing. And so we got together and we downloaded an app. I'll recommend it to you. There's a couple different software apps that I would recommend, but this one is called X3 Watch. Uh, you can go to triplexchurch.com, X3 Watch. I downloaded this, and here's what makes this, this, this app so different is, one, you have to pay for it. So it's think of $99 a year. That shows that you have a commitment behind it. Right, because you don't do free things, right? Right. If you have a, if you have skin in the game, you're going to do it. So we we purchased this app together, and then it doesn't block porn. Right, that would be too easy because then you could just go around it. Here's what it does instead: is it sends your browser history to your accountability partner. Awkward. <laughs> Those first few months was like, oh, like, <clears throat> hey, Byron, we need to have a talk. I'm like, 
right? And so, but here's what that did. It gave someone else permission to hold me accountable. And I got to do the same thing for them. And it took about a year and a half, but each of us were, were free from this. And as we began to mature and grow, we had to keep walking this out. But I just want to let you know, like, you're not a slave. Romans 6 tells us that we are not slaves, that sin has been defeated, that Jesus is victorious. We've been brought and resurrected to new life with him. We've been raised to new life. You are not a slave to your sin. You're not a slave to your addictions. You're not a slave to those old patterns. By the name of Jesus, you have been set free. And so if you walk in that authority and you allow the forgiveness of God to come into your life, you let other people hold you accountable, you can be delivered from it as well. That's good. I know that's true. And so here's what I would tell you to do invite somebody into that part of your life mm. it's a secret part of your life but man as soon as you confess it guess what satan no longer has power over you right. okay so you got to invite somebody into your life does any of y'all have anything to add to that yeah okay um so i'm with you on like find your find your people and have those conversations and um, you need to figure out things that are like triggers for you so like figure out because uh, you, you might be thinking it's a mindless thing, but it's not. There's something going on there. So, like, do I, go, uh, do I go watch porn whenever I'm lonely? Do I go watch porn whenever I am feeling stressed? Is that, is that my stress reliever? And you might be doing that subconsciously, but you can figure out those things through conversation. And then um, you can have conversations with people yeah. whenever you get stressed before you go watch porn you know do things like that and I know uh, I have a friend that doesn't go to this church that um, he has a wife and kids and he had a porn addiction and uh, what he did is he realized that him just being at home by himself in the middle of the day whenever the kids are out and the wife is um, at work that that was whenever he was most susceptible to it. So what he did was he just changed his, his life schedule around just not being at home whenever no one else is home, which sounds like, oh my God, that sounds so tough. Yeah, but um, it might be worth it if it's gonna save your marriage and, and keep your intimacy within your yeah. relationship with your wife, you know, or the other way around with your husband, however it works. Sure, for sure. Um, so yeah. Yeah, just recognize your stressors, your triggers, and then also remember what the gospel is, that you've been set free from this. And so I just want to honor whoever asked that question. And um, if you do need help with that, we actually have a group of, of men who would love to be able to help that they've actually taken this advice and they begin putting into practice. And so uh, if, if you're a guy and you need some help, uh, connect with some of the guys. If you're a woman who needs help, connect with some of the women. I would encourage men with men, women with women. Uh, to prevent any further temptations. The second question, uh, or the next question that we're going to get at, uh, me and Ashley will answer this one uh, to start off. And I know James and Shelby have something pretty good. Uh, Ethan shouldn't have anything to say about this one. My husband has a higher sex drive than I do. Uh, <laughs> I'll get there one day. Uh, I want to serve him. I want to serve him, but often do not have the energy or feel, quote unquote, in the mood. What can we do to improve our sex lives? I just want to let you know, this is a question that um, at one point or another, every married couple uh, goes through. Um, that, that one person's going to want more than the other person has to give. And sex is a very big issue that a lot of marriages actually struggle with. You would be surprised at how many marriage counseling sessions I have where one of the big issues in their marriage is their sex life. And uh, so I just want you to know, again, just like everything else, uh, you're not alone in this. 
Uh, and so a lot of people struggle with that. Uh, it's been one of the foxes. How many of y'all remember the fox sermon, right? Catching the foxes. Mm -hmm. It's been one of the foxes that me and Ashley have had to catch. So Ashley, what advice would you give to this woman? Because she says that she wants to serve her husband, but she just, she's tired. She doesn't have the energy to. Maybe she's not in the mood. Uh, maybe he wants it a little bit more than she does, but she still loves him and wants to help him. What advice would you give to this woman? Well, I know this goes back to the first question about the communication part. So if that were the case, you need to sit down with your husband and tell him exactly what you want and yeah. when you can do it. And then I guess like let your husband know like, hey, you know, the reason why I'm so exhausted and tired and not in the mood is because X, Y, and Z. Like sure. I'm tired because I'm always with the kids. I need you to help me out. Let me take a bubble bath. Yeah. Have some me time to like prep myself. You yeah. know, like if yeah. You want. I didn't know that women needed that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they have to prep themselves. True. Uh, I was just like, you know, statistically, men are ready for sex in seven seconds. That's one of the things I came across. It takes seven <laughs> seconds for a guy to get turned on. Right? Ladies take a little bit longer. Uh, men are microwaves, women are crockpots. So <laughs> what I would tell, what I would tell, I would speak to the husband here and, and say like, um, like, sex does not start in the bedroom. Okay? Uh, sex starts in the living room. It starts in day-to-day -day life. So how are you serving your spouse? Because you, you have a wife here, as a woman, she wants to serve you. But what are you doing to serve her? Because, I mean, that's what it is. Ephesians 5 talks about that we would submit to one another in love. So how are you serving her outside of the bedroom? If she's tired, then you got to do something to be able to take a little pressure off of her and, and not expect sex out of it. You don't want to be like, well, I'll sweep the floor if you, you know, don't do that. <laughs> like, that's not good because then, because, then you're, because then you're taking still. So that's still a taking relationship. So you want to develop a habit or a rhythm where as a husband, you are laying down your life, you are serving your spouse in some way. So have that honest communication. Like, the, you know, sex doesn't start in the sheets, between the sheets, right? It starts with a conversation. So have that sit-down conversation. Say, okay, how are you feeling? Where are you at? What are you doing? What can we do? What can I do to serve you? How can I help? And you'll be surprised at what it says if you just take some of that burden off of her and not expect for her to do all of the effort and work, and then in the moment be ready at any given time. No, you wanna, you wanna prepare them, you wanna, you, wanna, you, you wanna work with them, you wanna serve them together, because that's what a beautiful, better marriage looks like. Two people serving one another, both sexually, uh, both physically, romantically, and all these different areas. It's not just, you know, it's not just sex, that's just intimacy, it's allowing to, to serve that person. What about you guys, what would you have to say? Um, so when you think about marriage, you think about the idea of choice. And so you have been, you have chosen this one individual and this one individual has chosen you. And that to me humbles us as we think about our marriage. It's like there's no one else that decided to choose me. So when I think about that, I think about I am in the long game for this. And so as I continue to love Shelby, it's okay that some nights that we just snuggle. It's okay that some nights so we just enjoy one another being together. And what that does is it allows me to show her that she does not fulfilling a need inside of me because it's a, I, I need my needs met, but I get to figure out how to try to love her because she's the one that chose me. And that humility allows you to go, okay, this is not just about this one moment, but how can I love and serve her 
right here, right now. And then and it goes both ways, and you feel and you really figure out. Okay, my wife. If the same thing, if you love me, it goes both ways. But as a as a, I can only speak for myself, guys, it's okay just to snuggle. <laughs> so right on. Yeah, I'm taking notes or cuddle, whatever word you want to use. You know, but yeah. I'll also say, um, you know, that uh, if you both ate when you were hungry, you probably wouldn't share meals together. Right, and so if you only ate, no, you have to you have to make time for that. And so sometimes it's it's out of it's out of serving one person. And so maybe for the man, one of the ways that for you would serve is to just be like, you know what? Okay, not tonight. I'm going to be cool with that. But you know, you don't want to just do that every night. So sometimes, First uh, Corinthians says that the man's body no longer belongs to the man, but belongs to the woman. And then it comes back and says the woman's body no longer belongs to the woman, but also belongs to the man. So let them two come together, uh, you know, sexually do not deny one another conjugal rights. Like that's, that's Paul's thing. And so what this does is it creates this servant heartedness within the marriage that tonight I'm going to serve you and tonight I'm going to serve you. And we're going to have this communication between the two of us because uh, this is an important aspect of the relationship. Uh, so the next question would be this. Um, I love this question. It's such a good one. Uh, how do you love your kids without neglecting your marriage? How do you love your kids without neglecting your marriage? For me and Ashley, uh, we prayed for years. I think we went through about six to seven years of infertility before we had Esther. And now we have two girls. We have Esther's son and Ruth Moon. Uh, and we prayed for so long for God to give us children. And then when he gave us children, um, it, it was really tough for us to reconfigure our marriage because now we have these two beautiful girls that take up so much of our time and energy. So, uh, and, and, you know, if you allow them, they will... They will run the house, yeah. uh, and so what, so we have to be. We have to remember we're the parents, but be, before we were married, we were we were friends and we were husband and wife. So what can, what advice can you give someone um, about not neglecting your spouse, but still but still loving your kids? Oh, well, for one, I mean, love. I guess the the greatest thing you can teach your children is to, I guess, like have a loving home where yeah, a mom good. and dad are yeah. just like. Mm. Showing affection yeah. towards one another. Uh, what does Esther do when we tuck her in at night? Oh, um, every night she's like, "All right, now give give mommy a kiss. <laughs> now yeah. give mommy a hug." So like sad. she tells yeah. daddy to give. It ain't because I don't do it. I mean, that's yeah. not why. It is. She sees me doing it so much that she knows that that's so important. And but yeah. Sammy, y'all do something very similar to your son, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think the, so when I get home from work, uh, being able to prioritize your spouse is a beautiful thing. And so when I get home from work, Shelb is the first person that receives a kiss from me. And then Samuel, I go out and I go and hug Samuel and, 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 and hang out with him. Um, but making sure that Shelby is, is valued um, to the degree that she is, you know, um, worthy of it and that, and that she is my one and only. And then Samuel, Samuel comes after that. And so, that's good. And and what it was James say, uh, sh mommy gets the first. Mommy gets the first kiss. Isn't that so sweet? Aww. Mommy gets the first kiss. Hey, after the first service, I had a woman come up to me, uh, and she said, uh, "Look, I have I have all I have all the names written down." And I was like, "Those aren't the names of your daughter." She says, "No, those are the names of our dogs." Uh, <laughs> and so, because like the dogs want to get all the attention when you come home too, uh, and so I just think it's so important. 
to prioritize. What's that? I forgot about Shiner. Yeah, our dog's name's Shiner, and he's always, uh, take me for a walk, I gotta go. Uh, so, but you just gotta make sure that you don't neglect your marriage. Because one of the best things you can give your kids is a better marriage. Because your kids are watching you. And what marriage, what's your, what's your relationship before your kids shows them uh, is, is what they're going to be like when they get older. So your daughters are going to marry a man who you know, hopefully treats you know, the way that you treat your wife and vice versa with the boys and the girls. And so boys are even watching their daddy to see this is how we treat women. And so you got to be very respectful about the way you treat your wife because your, your sons are going to grow up to be kind of like you. Your daughters are going to grow up to make the same choices and decisions as you or to reject all of those things. Because I've been talking to a lot of people in our church. One of the big struggles that they had during this series is they're like, I, I don't want the relationship my parents had, right? Because they grew up in a home where they were the priority of the marriage, where their parents put them at the center of the home and they did everything around them and their parents weren't connected and weren't doing life together and weren't loving one another and they saw, I don't want a relationship like that, right? And so they were so heartbroken and so, um, so, so discouraged by watching relationships that now they're too anxious to form a relationship. Yeah. And so they're pushing marriage further away because they don't want what their parents had. But as parents, what we want to do is we want to model in front of our kids the type of marriage that God wants for them to have as well. Do you have anything to add to that as well? No, I would completely agree with that. I would say to love your kids well is to love your spouse. And, um, and I would just agree with what Byron said is you're creating a map for what love looks like mm-hmm. um, for your kids at such a young age of how they will look for love in the future and yeah. how they will be treated in the future. And so um, don't hold back with showing affection in front of your, yeah. in front of your kids, like kiss each other, hug each other, show that, show what love looks like because that is your, that's what your kids are looking to for what love is and how they want to be treated or should be treated when they get older. And here's the danger of a child-centered home, a child-centered marriage. Your kids are going to grow up and move off. And if you spend 25 years neglecting your spouse while prioritizing your kids, when your kids move away, you're gonna be married to a stranger. And you're not gonna have anything that's gonna hold that relationship together because if the kids are the glue that keeps the home together, when the kids move away, you have nothing that is gonna be able to hold on to. I've seen it over and over again, empty nesters. You know, you probably grew up in that home where after you, you know, graduated and moved away, your parents' relationship fell apart. And so if you allow the kids to be the center of that home, that's why you got to put God at the center of your home. Because we got to be people who orbit around God and seek God. And we got to be gospel centered in everything that we do. And if we allow our children to become idols in our homes, then they're going to boss us around and tell us what to do. And then we lose our credibility and authority in the home. Like your kids want for you to have a better marriage because that's going to give them a better life. And it's going to give them a better opportunity as well. Yeah. And then we're like, whenever you're grown up, Whenever the kids are grown up, they're going to look and see a marriage that was full of uh, fighting and uh, no love at all and then have all these fears of like, oh, man, I, want, I don't want to have an unsatisfying marriage. Like, I don't, I don't want my marriage to fall apart. I've watched. This is my yeah. closest example of it. Yeah. You know, and so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, that seems to be the way to go. Like, take care of your wife and your husband, and that's the best thing you can do for your kids. Do you guys ever find yourselves repeating some of the things that you, the patterns that your parents did for you? Like, I know as you're parenting, I know one thing that I we do all the time. Uh, my parents, uh, research shows it doesn't work. Doing the one, 
two, three. Y'all do that? I do that. It doesn't work, by the way, but it, it, my parents did it to me, and I was like, that doesn't work. But then I still find myself doing it to, because what, I'm repeating the patterns my parents set before me. Mm-hmm. And so often, that's why relationships struggle, is because we're repeating the patterns that our parents set before us as well. And so as a parent, you have the opportunity to break that pattern, to break those generational curses over your family, to break those iniquities, to break all of the generations that come before you because you have generations with your last name waiting on life change. So we got to make sure we prioritize our marriage, not to neglect our kids, but definitely don't neglect our spouse. Um, We're going to ask this question. Uh, This one is for Ethan. Uh, Ethan, I plan, not me, but this person, uh, here's her question. I plan on joining the world of online dating apps. Okay. Uh, I would lose my job if I did that. Um, (laughs) When building my profile, should I put that I am a Christian or is that something that I should wait and save for a later conversation, Mm. maybe on the first or second date? Yes. Okay, there's a lot of things in there. Okay. Um, for one, I've seen it work. Obviously, it worked with you guys, and it's worked with a couple other people. Well, we met on MySpace. That's not like right. Tinder it's totally. Like it's that. not like eHarmony or something, right? Um, but uh, or Before Christian, DMs were Christian able Mingle. to slide into. They're yeah. Really- <laughs> um, I mean, my personal opinion on it is, uh, chances are you're not going to be in that like point zero 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 one percent that actually fall in love and have a great marriage from a dating app. Uh, it does happen. You know, the grace of God can be over it. But um, for me, I, I, you know, I feel, number one, if you are going to do it, it's okay. I'm not condemning you. Um, go for it. And you definitely should put that you're a Christian because you need to start filtering people from the very beginning that this yeah. is the most important thing in my life. And I'm going to put that out there first. It's not something that like, oh, by the way, I kind of love Jesus a little bit, you know? No, you want those people to know. You want want them to know like, hey, I have standards. I have a way that I want to live my life. I have goals that I want to achieve spiritually, you know, Uh, things like that. But outside of that, like, I I don't really care for dating apps. Um, I'm kind of in the um, thought pool of, you know, love Jesus, get on, get in your lane, run your race. And put your head down and just run and look up every once in a while and just see who's next to you. And then like, oh, okay, well, I see that. Okay, I'm get back down and keep running. Oh, they got a little closer. Okay, all right. Well, hey, uh, you want to do this with me? And then you like take off together, you know? And I think that's something that, that God will allow to happen in your life. And I feel like back to the beginning where... I think you should be uh, viewing yourself first on like, how can I be the person um, instead of like, who is the person and just work on yourself and then allow the Lord to, to bring that in. Cause I feel like, I I mean like this might be controversial. I feel like whenever you reach out and do a dating app and again, I'm not putting condemnation on, but it feels like I, I don't trust that the Lord will uh, bring this about in my life. So I need to reach out and go do it. But then again, God's grace is so good that like he will bring people together, you know, through that and they can have super healthy, happy marriages. I just wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I think if you if you want to meet somebody and see like, what does the Lord have for me? Sometimes you just got to look who's in front of you. I mean, that's kind of y'all's story, right? And you're like, oh. Okay, I didn't know this was a thing, right? You got to look who's in front of you. We see that so often. We even saw that in Song of Solomon. That's kind of the point where Solomon owned the vineyard, and then he noticed her, and she she wasn't a nobody. 
but he should have married some other princess or queen, someone else. But then he looked at her, a peasant girl working the fields, and he's like, oh, I've never seen that. So she was different than everybody else. So I would say, if you're going to do it, put it on the profile. Go ahead, start filtering that out. Mm -hmm. But I would say, if you really are interested in meeting somebody, right? How many of you guys are single? Raise your hand. Let me see how you're singles. All right, look around. There we go. There's your options. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. For those guys, no, not for maybe you could do it. Uh, for guys, the best place for you is to serve in Redemption Kids. Uh, hey, just to just to clarify, you meant like. Did you mean like single or did you mean like according to God and the state of Texas? Who is? Who is like, I think I just who, got in trouble. <laughs> uh, somebody's like, mm-hmm. who, is, who is? Well, I mean, they don't owe you a relationship. So, I mean, I mean, I mean oh, Lord. you got some uh, books no, for us. But you? just look who's in front of you and don't take it too seriously. Have fun. Enjoy it. Uh, the next question, again, we'll, we'll piggyback on that one for, uh, start with Ethan, but I know uh, Shelby has something that she wants to add. This is such an important question. Uh, what boundaries should be set while dating? So what are some boundaries that should be set up front, up front? Yeah, again, um, you know, I'm, I'm still in the journey of this. I'm not married looking back and to see. Um, so this is something, I mean, you and me have talked about it. I've come to you with questions personally and stuff. Uh, I know that in that one sermon you said, limit your time, limit your touch, and limit your talk. Yeah, that's good. And, um, and so, like, I feel like that's a journey figuring out, you know, like, oh, okay, maybe that is uh, too much talk. You know, like, yeah. maybe this is too much time and figuring those things out. But it's, like, I know with too much time, it's good to miss each other whenever yeah, you're dating. That's, um, that's, like, a beautiful part of it and uh, keeps the butterflies, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because that's not going to be there forever because eventually you're just going to be seeing each other all the time. And so just enjoy that moment while it's there. Yeah. Um, let me your touch, which obviously, you know, you want to um, stay home and save that gift for marriage uh, the way that God intended it for and then limit your talk yeah. which is basically a, another way that you've said is save your vows for, for the wedding, wedding day yeah, and I think that's really good day. because like um, even if we might mean it in uh, good and well meaning mm -hmm. but um, there's no reason that you should be saying like, like, baby, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I want to do things with you, but you ain't got no ring. Yeah. Like, you're not, you're not going to sit, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, I hear you. It's like your saying third that. date. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. And, and so it's like, like, what are you, what are you really saying? Cause like you, you just threw out a promise that you can't fulfill, Yeah. you know, but you can do that on your wedding day when you're putting on a ring and you're saying I'm yours and you're mine forever <laughs> you know uh shelby why are boundaries in relationships so important um one approach that i like to look at this question is having boundaries but having standards also so standards tell you what you can do boundaries tell you what you can't do and the standard the boundaries coming uh, come in an agreement with the standard yeah. mm -hmm. and so what a standard looks like is when we hang out we're going to be around community and the boundary that come alongside that would be we're never in a private room alone. Mm. And so having standards kind of helps you see what you can do, whereas boundaries can feel kind of like overpowering of like we can't do all these things. Well, standards help you see, OK, this is how we can conduct ourselves and this is how we can act. That's good. James, anything to add to that? She's perfect. That's good. Got That's, it. good. <laughs> That's good. That's uh, good. This question is something that is really a part of me and Ashley's story. It's how do you change course with your boyfriends 
uh, to do things in a way that glorifies and honors God whenever you are already entered into a contractual relationship. We were actually talking about this uh, last night, and what we kind of read into the question is, to me, it sounds like they're living together. Yeah. So, so how do we change course? If we're already living together and we realize that we want to do it in a way that honors God, how do we change course if we're already in a contractual agreement? Like you're already in a lease. They're in a lease. Yeah. We got a dog. Yeah, we got, we got a, they're in a lease together. Yeah. They got a dog together. These are real issues. Yeah, like they have a joint, they have a Netflix account, you know. Um, what, I mean, I don't know. I'm keeping the Netflix they're, they're account. Sharing, they're, they're, they're on the same cell phone plan. I mean, be, I've seen so many people, they're like, I can't break up with them. We share the same cell phone plan. They're like, like that's what's keeping you together? Uh, you're like. <laughs> that is real. I know, I know. Like, y'all can't all, like. It's, it's like, I don't want to break the lease. But, I mean, I want to break. I don't want to break their heart, but I really don't want to break the lease. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so what we, what, here's what me and Ashley did. So we had a long distance relationship for the beginning of our relationship, but we were sexually active. And she moved to Orange. And I lived in. Uh, I lived in Orange. She moved from Houston to Orange, and we were basically kind of living together when it first started, and had some of those community friends uh, and, and accountability with me. Uh, they were like, hey, Byron, we know that you're living, basically living with Ashley. You're, 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 you're sexually active, you're sleeping together, uh, and that's not the way that God wants it to be. And so we're going to hold each other accountable with this. So here's what, here's what I did, um, and I'll encourage you with this. I actually moved out and paid the rent anyway. Yeah. So we had about six to eight months before we got married. I moved out of the apartment and I paid the rent anyway. Mm. So we were going to get married in eight, six to eight months. And so what's six to eight months in the terms of 50 years? Yeah. Mm. So I wanted to honor her because, and here's what also, when you honor God, God honors you. Yeah. And so I honored I honored the Lord and I began to honor my, my future wife. And, and then God continued to bless our relationship. In fact, our relationship got better once we removed sex out of it. Because then we had to do this thing. It's called talking to each other <laughs> and valuing each other and praying over one another. And I ask couples all the time who are sexually active or living together, sleeping together, say, hey, do you pray together? They say, typically no, because prayer is more intimate than sex. And once we remove the sex aspect, our relationship really began to flourish because when we began to honor God, that's when God began to bless our relationship. And so I paid her rent, even though I wasn't living there. And I say, if, if your boyfriend who wants to become a husband, if he's that invested in that, he will honor you by going ahead, even if you're living together, you stay in the apartment, have him move out. If he needs to move into his parents' house for a season, the Lord will forgive him. If he needs to uh, go hang out with a friend, sleep on a couch somewhere, that's a sacrifice. He's, and I think you're worth that sacrifice. Yeah. And if he's not willing to make that sacrifice, he's not going to respect you in 50 years. Yeah, ask this question. Uh, do I value my credit score more or the, my relationship being blessed by God and blessing God? You know, and like that's a real question. How did it feel for you whenever... I was willing to do that. As a, as a woman, how did, did, how did you feel when you saw me make those changes and honor and still pay the rent? I felt protected, mm. honored. I knew that you would do anything for me. Good job, Byron. <laughs> I'm so proud of young you. That's good, though. That's good. What do you guys think about this? 
No, I think what y'all said was great. It's good. That's good. I, here, here's also one thing that I'll add, um, and then we'll hit the last question. One thing that I'll add is this, is it actually speeds up the process of the relationship. Right? You need a little tension in there anyway. Right? So if you're living together, sleeping together, if you're basically one without being biblically one, then you need, you need something that's going to light a fire to that relationship. So after I moved out, guess what? We got married quick. I was like, I, was like, I, I know I want to be with her. What am I wasting my time with? So we went ahead, set the date. We pushed her forward. We went ahead and got married because that tension was actually a good thing in our relationship. And if you're living together and sleeping together before you're married, statistically, women do that because they believe, this is what USA Today, one of the sermons we talked about, they think that by living together and sleeping together, it is going to make him want to commit faster. But the truth is, men see cohabitation completely different. That men view cohabitation as a way to delay commitment. That's why some people have been dating for five, six, eight years. Right? You should not date someone longer than you can be president. <laughs> if you serve two terms, you're out. Okay? That's the way it should be. Right? But when you have that urgency behind it, when you have that intentionality with it, when you're honoring the Lord, you want to do things not only right by God, but you want to do th things right by one another. And it sets that urgency and that tone in the relationship. Because just so you know, dating is supposed to end in marriage or breakup. Like, that's the way it is. Like, you don't date as a status. We date as a process of evaluation. And if you're reaching to a point to where there is no end in sight, whether it's marriage or breakup, then you got to ch change course. Mm -hmm. But I would say, as the guy, you should really be considering, um, I would be willing to pay the rent to honor you or break the lease and then just do it by honoring God. Because here's what God can do. God can make up the difference. Yeah, you might take a 20-point hit on your credit score, but you don't know what, the God ha what God has in store for you on the other end. I mean, he could bless you with a new job. He could bless you. Like, but when you honor God, God honors us. Mm -hmm. So I think, that's, I think that's good. The last question that I want to hit is this. Um, how do you let your husband be the head of the household slash spiritual leader if you're the one who has more spiritual discipline? How do you let your husband be the head of the house or the spiritual leader when you are the one who is more spiritually disciplined? James and Shelby, would you like to speak into, into this one? Yeah, I think um, it goes back to the first question, communicate. So communicate things, re realistic things that you would like to see him doing. So if you like to hear your husband pray before dinner, communicate. Hey, babe, I would love for you to pray before dinner. Would you be willing to do that? And through that, he's able to feel successful. He's able to feel like, okay, this isn't a vague thing that I have to accomplish that feels overwhelming, like leading. Um, but you're giving him small opportunities where he can feel like that he's doing a good job. Because no one likes to be doing a bad job. And yeah, no one true. likes to feel like they're behind or feel like they're not good enough. But if you give him small spurts of, hey, would you be willing to lead in this way? And giving him opportunity, I think, would do so much. Would you also say on the back side of that, celebrating? Yes, that, celebrating yeah. when he does do a good job. And so being in, super intentional with your words, too, with, hey, I really appreciated when you did this today. And uh, just verbally affirming him in ways where you genuinely think that he did a good job. And that's the, if you think something nice, say it. Yeah. Right, because so oftentimes we see someone do something and we don't compliment them, and so it goes unnoticed, and so it doesn't get repeated. 
So, I mean, James, what, how would you speak, encourage this person? I think... Uh, Let's encourage, yeah, how would you do yeah, that? Totally. I think being able to, to recognize the grace in that moment. Um, so for you, you're wanting this desired thing to come about in your husband. You're wanting your, your spouse to be able to be a disciplined person. I think for you, and, uh, I, I think there, there, there is power in prayer. So what, what actionable steps is God asking you to take, to take personal responsibility in your own personal heart with the Lord and letting God lead your husband, praying for your husband? And this is, goes, really goes, goes both ways, you know, uh, the idea of like praying for your spouse and trusting in the process that as you continue to grow closer to the Lord, God is a lot better than we think he is. Amen. He's a lot fa- more faithful yeah. than we think he is. And so when we're thinking of our husband and you're wanting your husband to be the spiritual head of, of the household, continue and do not grow weary in doing good. That's good. And so continue to, to love your spouse, love your husband. Do not be degrading. Because that, I mean, same thing for, as the husband to the spouse, like yeah. that never, ever works. Shame will never get someone out of sin. Yeah. Shame will never get someone into leadership but celebrating and loving and caring. And so, and then the idea of communication, uh, I think Shelby said it very well. And so having grace and continuing to pursue um, in love. I want to speak to the husband. Um, a lot of men don't have a father in their, in their home growing up that modeled this for them as well. A lot of men are really good at business relationships, but they don't carry that same intentionality uh, into the home. And so a lot of men grew up in homes where a dad just kind of checked out. Uh, statistically, churches are more 60% women. Our church is actually higher. The least likely person to attend church is a young man. And so um, we haven't really had a lot of fathers, figures in our generation who have modeled a healthy spirituality. So here's what I would encourage for, for the husband. I want you to understand something. Um, one, your wife wants you to lead. So praise the Lord that you have a godly woman like that, that she believes the best in you. And so I would just count your lucky stars and praise the Lord, hallelujah, that you got a woman like that who wants to see you become the best person that God created you to be. So recognize the blessing that you have in that. The second thing I would encourage you to understand biblically, it's not whether or not you are the spiritual leader or not. You are the spiritual leader, regardless. The question is, are you a good spiritual leader or a poor one. That's, that's the reality. Because Genesis, we see that God came into the garden, and who did he go looking for first? Adam. He called out to Adam, where are you? And that Jesus is the head of the church, just as the husband is the head of the wife. The covenantal head of the relationship is the man. And that doesn't mean that you're better and that, or anything like that. Here's what it means, is that we bear an additional shoulder of responsibility before the Lord for our family. And so the question is not, are you a... Are you going to be the spiritual leader? Because God's going to hold us as men accountable as the spiritual leaders. The question is, are we a good one or a bad one? Are we doing a good job or a poor job? Now, I want you to know that this is why we call it the Bible's Guide to a Better Marriage. Because we can all do better. And this is not to beat you up. It's to build you up. Because when you understand the purpose that God has for your life, you will rise to the potential. When you understand that God made you as a husband with a purpose, you will rise to the potential that God has put in you. You are the glory of God. That's what he says. You are the glory of God. You have a woman, you have a wife who wants to pray for you, right? Who wants to bless you, encourage you. And here's what I would encourage you. It's really not that hard. I know it sounds hard and difficult. It's really not. It just takes three simple things. Three things that you can do today 
to make your marriage better. What are they? Read your Bible every single day together. Pray every single day together. And go to church every week together. Three things, that's all you gotta do. And YouVersion Bible app makes it so simple. Literally, our morning devotional takes about five minutes. And if you can't do five minutes, do for four. Right? I mean, if you, can't, if you can't pray five minutes, pray four minutes. If you can't read a chapter, read a verse. And if you miss a day, don't miss two. I mean, that's basically all it is. And we just pull out our YouVersion app, and then we read a devotional, and then I ask God to bless her, I pray for our girls, and I go five minutes every single morning to connect with God so we can connect with each other. And what does that do for us? It causes our marriage to begin to flourish, doesn't it? It's a better marriage. And so it's a beautiful thing. So I would just encourage you men, just five minutes a day, five minutes and, and I believe that God is going to step into that marriage and God is going to continue to work in your life. He's going to build you up. He's going to make your marriage better. And there's going to be a legacy waiting behind you. All it takes is five minutes of intentional time in the morning, afternoon to connect with God, to seek first the kingdom of God in your marriage. I mean, add, God's going to add everything on the back end. I believe that. So here's what I would encourage you to do. Encourage him. With that being said, we're going to wrap up our Q&A. Hey, everybody give these guys a big round of applause today. I want you all to know, I think you guys are incredible. You're amazing. Hey, I have something for Ethan. I know I was picking on Ethan during the thing. But Ethan, I'm used uh, to. I, I know Ethan is single, but he is not ready to mingle. No more mingling for him. So I got you a book, uh, Single, Dating, and Engaged, and Married. This other one's for my girlfriend, right? The other one is for your girlfriend. Okay. Uh, hey, if you're single, I just want to encourage you, pick up this book by Ben Stewart. It's the best book I read during Song of Solomon, Single, Dating, and Engaged. Um, pick that book up. I believe it's really going to be a blessing to your life. Hey, let's give everybody a big round of applause one more time. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us here at Redemption Church. If this message was helpful to you in any way, leave a review, like, comment, or share with your friends to help others experience life change through Jesus. Hey.